people have bad teeth. Hashtag not all British people have bad teeth. Um, but like a lot do. Right? I mean, braces are a bigger thing now. (laughs) What about bleaching? Do you know what I overheard someone at work say? Sorry to just cut you off, but speaking of teeth, I overheard two of our coworkers talking the other day and one of them was talking about an interview that she had done with someone and she was like, is she American? She had those really big white American teeth. Oh my God. I bet I know who said that. Yeah. I was like, I guess that's a compliment, but also is that. But it is a thing. Like you guys have beautiful teeth. It's just like, huh? Sorry. I was just gonna say everyone's bankrupt from it. I mean, it's very important, but it's not inexpensive. I mean, it's, yeah. Like my teeth are, my front four teeth are veneers and mm. I spent. Oh, they look great. Thank you. I'm mm. so nervous. Did you see the video of Ashley Graham this week where she lost her fucking veneer on her front teeth? Oh my God, stop. No. So she, she posted a video on Instagram of her like covering her mouth and talking <gasps> about how her mom made these cookies and put them in the freezer <gasps> and then she bit into them and her veneer popped off and that's happened to me twice. Anyway, that's been dental talk. <laughs> Hi. Dental sword. <laughs> Welcome. Mm. Welcome back to the We're Not Really Backpackers podcast. Woohoo! Uh, where we talk about travel and life and mm. apparently dental procedures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Janie. I'm Susie. Welcome. Welcome. Um, I also I wanna say, how fucking cool is our intro music? Oh my god! When we I'm recorded, so happy with it. When we recorded our first episode, we didn't have it done yet. But shout out to Matt Lavaz, who yes. is the awesome DJ, music producer extraordinaire who created our jingle for us. And fun fact, also our boss. Also our boss. <laughs> he's a very talented man. Multifaceted. Yeah, say. he's a head trainer and um, <laughs> facilitator and mm. coach. At, at the, the coach- Life Coaching Institute that yeah, we work at. Yeah, at the Coaching Institute. Mm-hmm. Yep. So check him out. He's amazing. Yes, we Thanks, will Matt. link um, yeah. whatever we host this on. We will make sure that it'll be in the description. Link. Yeah, in the description. Um, if you'd like to check out any of his other stuff, please do so. He is only going to get better and better. And I'm super excited to see what he creates. Me too. Okay. Thanks, Matt. What are we, what are we going to talk about this week, Suze? Well, this week we thought it would be really cool to start from the very beginning and look at what it takes to convert the thought of wanting to go traveling into actually doing it. I think it's the scariest fucking part of the whole thing. Like, yeah. it, what I thought of and the distractions and the fears that came up for me before I actually decided to leave and put that into action was way scarier and way worse than anything that I've actually experienced since I've been on this long of a trip like I am right now. But even other trips that I've gone on or, um, you know, other big life decisions, it's that same process. It's the same thing of you have an idea or a dream or a goal and how do you take that and turn it into a reality? Um, which we thought, which, you know, we know is a huge part of, really just life in general and making any sort of big decision, but especially doing something new or daunting or a little bit scary, Mm -hmm. like leaving the country or traveling or especially traveling for a long period of time. I think also the thing with traveling is that it's not that you're in your hometown surrounded by the people that you love and your family that know you and you're in your comfort zone doing something scary. 
you're having to do both of those things. You're leaving your comfort zone physically and going into the next stage physically, but you're also, you don't have that support network physically around you. And although we do have, you know, social media and means of communication, the scary part is actually doing it in real life. So we are here to encourage everyone that is thinking of traveling or is dreaming of traveling to go and do it. And we're going to hopefully facilitate this. Yeah. We know right now we're recording this in June of 2020. Mm. So traveling right now is a little bit harder than (laughs) in other times. Of course. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the actual restrictions that are put on that are outside of our control. But that being said, there will be a time that we are allowed to travel again internationally and even nationally within, I know like in the States, if you're thinking of picking up and moving somewhere or going on a long trip or doing something on your own, even if it's not a, you know, a big international travel trip, like this is the same kind of process. And we're just going to look at and share what's worked for us, what hasn't worked for us, what kind of experiences we went through to get over that um, and through that process. Exactly. Exactly. And I think this is a perfect time to be putting this out there because although we aren't all able to physically do this, this can hopefully add value to people's lives whilst they're in the planning stages. And yeah, like we said, we're going to hopefully facilitate that for a lot of people um of all all ages you know i think what we were talking about earlier when we were thinking about planning the episode is that every stage is the exact same for every single person it doesn't matter who you are what do you mean what stage as in <clears throat> every stage that you go through in terms of you know leaving your comfort zone and entering into the next part and having to plan things and moving forward and, and saving up making connections, doing the physical traveling, it's pretty much the same stage for every single person. So it's not dependent on who you are or what background you have or or any of that. It's to do with your attitude and how you you morph that and change that to best suit your needs. Sweet. Yeah. I that reminds me of something that I can't remember if my old therapist said it to me or did I say it to her, but anyway, <laughs> my therapist was the best. She's still alive. I just don't see her anymore. Wow. What am I, I saying? Say. She's awesome. I love her so much. Um, in like a healthy boundaried like way, mm-hmm. but she's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I digress. She said to me, um, the only difference between the people that are living your dream or like doing what it is that you want to do and you is that they're doing it. Like there's nothing intrinsically about you as an individual that makes you incapable of achieving your dreams, basically. Yes. So I think it's super easy, especially in the age of social media, especially, you know, comparing ourselves to people all the time, that we look at some someone doing something that's an aspiration or a goal or a dream of ours and being like, well, it's easy for them to do it, but I could never do it because da 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 So we're making excuses and we're putting blocks in front of ourselves, Um So we talked about this kind of in the context of the, oh my God, I keep fucking forgetting what it's called. What's it called? The comfort zone model. Oh, yes. (laughs) So aptly named. (laughs) Mm. And it's just, it's kind of like a four pronged, not pronged, 
stage. Or layered. Sure. Yeah. Or um, <laughs> You could say. Um, model. <laughs> that goes and, and explains all these different stages that, like, what we're talking about. So, first starting off that we're in our comfort zone. So, we're in control. We're um, safe. We feel comfortable, obviously. So, where... And that's usually... I know for me, it's like when usually when you're in that kind of space, you can you can. The dreams are just dreams at that point. You're not really bringing them into any sort of reality yet. So, do you remember? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe from like this trip or like other ones where, you, right before you decided mm-hmm. to. That leaving or making a big decision like that was something that you wanted to do. Like, what was going on for you? Yeah. So. For me, I spent a lot of my life traveling when I was younger, but that was more holidays and actually living in foreign countries with my family. So actually going out on my own and doing the traveling and organizing things myself brought up a few fears. One of them, I don't know if a lot of people can relate to this, but one of them was actually FOMO. It was the fear of missing out on everything that was going to happen at home whilst I was away because I do value my friends very much so they are a really important part of my life and I have friends all over the world but I remember going to the pub before coming to Australia actually so this was this was even after the first time that I'd ever been traveling solo so you know even having done so having having had a trip and Mm -hmm. and having come back and lived living in the UK those fears set back in again. I don't think they ever go away. It's just how you handle and how you progress onto the next stage. So, yeah, sitting in the pub with my friends and thinking, you know, oh, what am I going to miss out on? So I'm, oh, a few of my friends now are having children and getting married and my parents are getting older and I'm not, I'm missing out on my sister and my brother. And you know what they said to me? They said, Susie, we're always going to be here and nothing changes. And I don't want to paint, you know, tar everyone with the same brush. But I think that is, I think for a lot of people that is the reality in that not much actually changes at home. And then I then went on to the thought, well, maybe that's not my actual fear. Maybe my real fear is that I'm gonna go and change so much that when I come back, I'm not gonna match my loved ones back at home. And that actually scared me more. Yeah. Because when you're leaving your loved ones in the comfort to go and grow and blossom, you still want that support network to come back to. And looking you know, on this now, I can fully say that that fear is completely, um, defunct your loved ones are always going to love you no matter how much you change I think obviously situations are very dependent for a lot of people but in my experience anyway Mm -hmm. so yeah what were your some of your fears yeah so I mean same kind of thing I think when anytime that you decide that you want to make a big change or do something different or outside of that comfort zone um there's always going to be fear that comes up uh, even if it's something similar to what you've done before mm-hmm. or um, even like the exact same situation I imagine would because if it's happening a different period in your life you're different you've had different experiences so 
something's always going to come up. Um, so I think it's a good practice in building resilience to that. And I think the more you get to practice working through those fears, the easier it becomes to work through them again. Not like they disappear, but yeah. So when I remember even like going back a handful of years, so I did a semester in Italy and then I did like a little bit of not really much traveling after that internationally. And then, um, the first, like, it wasn't even that long. It was like two weeks or something. But I remember we went to Columbia and my friend called me, um, and said, Hey, there's this flight sale. Oh my God. <laughs> the flights were so cheap because do you remember, I think it must've been 2015 or 2016 that Miss Universe pageant where they announced the wrong, the wrong, <laughs> Yes. So they, it, um, it was Steve he, Harvey. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. <laughs> he announced the wrong winner. <laughs> he announced that Miss Columbia won, but it was Miss Brazil. I can't remember who it was that actually won. But the only reason that I remember it was Miss Columbia is because fucking Spirit Airlines, which is like the cheapest. It's like I don't know what's the equivalent in like Ryanair, Ryan or EasyJet. EasyJet. Yeah. It's truly just like a tin can in the sky that they just <laughs> it, they open the fucking door and are just like figure it out for yourselves but it's super cheap <laughs> flights to columbia through spirit were like fit they were doing like a miss universe fuck up like 24 oh, hour 75 percent so- off sale or something so we got round trip flights to columbia for like 250 dollars. oh wow or something wow. crazy like that it was super super cheap mm. and so my friend megan called me and she was like oh my god there's this flight sale we're gonna go blah blah, blah. like you have to come yeah um and um, immediately I was like, yeah, I definitely want to. And then and almost just as immediately, I, the first thing I thought it was, ooh, my mom is not going to like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been there. Because I think now having been there, wrongfully so, there is still so much stigma around mm. Colombia specifically, like Medellin with mm. um, all of the, you know, drug cartel violence and destruction that happened in that country during the 80s and 90s during all that with Pablo Escobar's you know kind of reign and all that so the country and the city of Medellin especially have gone through so much trauma but also change and growth since then I'm so glad that I went but basically I was fucking terrified I didn't tell my parents until I really had to yeah um but yeah, I was like, ooh, my mom's not going like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was like, oh, I'm, I haven't taken any time off work, whatever. So, but I basically just in that moment, immediately a fear cropped up of like, mm-hmm. you know, I was an adult, I was 25 or 26 and I was living on my own and, you know, was independent, but I still was like, ooh, like there was a fear of it not being okay somehow with my family that I was going to go. But in, in that was a very immediate chance where I was like, I have to make a decision and I want to do this. So I'm just going to do it and I'll deal with the fallout later. Um, which seems to kind of be the way that I handle most of these things is yeah. I can be fairly impulsive. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, oh, I, that is so spooky that you said that because I can't believe we've never had this conversation before because I went through the exact same what? thing. Wait, when? It, this was when I did my first solo trip. It was about three years ago and I went to Southeast Asia mm-hmm. and I did Thailand, Vietnam and Cambodia. I <laughs> was thinking about going on this trip and all of the friends that I had that I could have gone traveling with, I honestly didn't want to because I I think everyone has those friends that 
you know, you get on with and your, and your mates, but you couldn't go traveling with. Traveling can be quite an intense experience. Oh, yeah. Very, very well so, you know, it's, that is a, it's a good intense, but you need to be with the right people, in my opinion. And there's different kinds of trips. There's a difference yeah. between a weekend or a week kind of getaway yes. versus months. This is backpacking for three months yeah. solo as a woman as yeah. well. So I was around the same age we're obviously the same age so yeah I was about 25 26 or or something and all the friends that I could have gone traveling with weren't able to do so so I remember you know trying to plan this trip and it was scary because I was by myself and I didn't have anyone to lean on and leaving it to pretty much the last minute and telling my mum and look I'm not a mother (laughs) but god bless her she handled it very well, but I, I knew that I knew it was hard for her to hear. And that was hard for me because I didn't want to hurt her. And I didn't want her and my dad to worry. But of course they were going to, because th- this is your daughter going halfway across the world by herself with yeah. no one else. So and scary. you know, what if, these logistical things happen. You lose your phone, you get robbed. All of these things are possible. And I'm not going to say that they're not because that would be, that would be lying That's to just our untrue. audience. Of course it's, of course it's possible. However, it doesn't, in my experience, often happen. Mm-hmm. And you are able to put things and measures into place to protect yourself. And there is a smart way of traveling by yourself especially as a woman Mm -hmm. unfortunately we do have to think about these things that men don't have to and that's not to say that men don't get into sticky situations or robbed or lose their money but I really had to fight with myself as well you know not not against my mother but like I had to fight with myself and defend my decision to do this and in the end she did accept it but it was really difficult so yeah, encompassed in all that, I think fears, the logistical fears, money fears, injury fears came into play. Um, but the reward I just knew I would get through doing this was far greater and far outweighed anything that could possibly go wrong, in my opinion. Totally. And you don't really, you, I know for me, like, I had a hunch that that was what, what was going to be happening mm-hmm. and I still wanted to do it. And there's, you kind of have to weigh like, so when you're in that fear kind of zone, when you're finding excuses, when things are coming up, when you're being affected by other people's opinions and outside influences, mm. that's when a lot of times it breaks down a lot of times. Cause I remember in, for me, that's happened. I was thinking about moving to, I think I was moving to Chicago. I had an idea where I was like, because basically for a while, while I was still living in Seattle, I was like feeling really restless Mm -hmm. and wanted to do something different and wasn't super happy with my job. And so um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to move home for a little bit. I'm going to save up and then I'm going to move. And I had family. I still do. I have family in Chicago. Um, I had some friends there and close by in the Midwest. And I was like, I love it there. It's a really cool city. It's super fun. It seemed kind of like, you know, familiar and safe in some ways. And then um, I started kind of putting things in motion for it. And then I had, I think it was just like, I had a couple of friends that were like, we really want you to stay. We really want you to stay, blah, blah, blah. 
and I just oh, in Seattle. Yeah, and on a whim, then decided to, to give up my plan to stay and stay, mm-hmm. which I don't regret doing because you know I'm everything happens. I'm one of those that thinks everything yeah. happens for a reason, and it wasn't my time for, and I wasn't ready. Like if I couldn't have, I wasn't in a position to stand up for what I wanted in the face of other people being like, no, we want you to stay, which is a really lovely thing to hear. Um, and so almost have. like it was a test in a way. Yeah. And mm. I obviously wasn't ready or else I would have done it. Um, so yeah, so I stayed and yeah, but that's just, a, I think that's an example for me that I look back on of when I had a thought and mm. I started to kind of put it into action, but I let things get in the way because either I was too afraid or wasn't ready for whatever reason or just, it didn't really feel right. And I think part of it was, I think I'm sure I would have had a great fucking time and I would have been fine or I would have, who knows what would have happened. Um, but now look at you, you're in Australia (laughs) all the way across the other (laughs) side of the world. And you came over here by yourself. Yes. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, I had help, but Mm. in the sense that when I first left, I, I went to Bali because I had friends that were living there. Yeah. So, there's always been, I've never Touch done, points. yeah, I've never done like a fully solo, solo trip. I think probably the closest would be when I came, when I left Sydney and went to mm. Gippsland in Victoria to do a farm work. Farm work. Yeah. Well, we met. Anyone. Yeah. So <laughs> basically for people that don't know on the visa that we have, the working holiday visa, the first year um, is included when you, you know, that's you get the visa for the first year. And if you want to stay for a second year, you have to work in um, either like farming or in mostly just farming, but there's other stipulations in regional areas, specified regional areas in Australia for 88 days for three months. Um, So yeah, Susie and I, that's where we met because we both were doing our farm work in the same area and we're staying in the same working hostel. And yeah, which is a whole other episode. I cannot wait to do an episode on hostels. Oh I think God. that'll be so funny. It's going to be a time. <laughs> yes. Hopefully we won't have fresh content for that ever again. <laughs> I'm good. I'm so good with not having fresh yes. hostel content. Yes. But it's a great time to look back on. So should we talk about the comfort zone model then? Because I think this is something, a really good reference for um, anyone who's listening to look upon. Oh, I sounded like an old English poet. <laughs> I thought we were talking about it because we were talking about the comfort zone and then the fear zone. Oh, sorry. I meant, I meant the next stage. Yeah. So, so, so what's the... So the zones oh. are comfort zone. Fear zone. You move out of the fear zone into the learning zone, which is dealing dealing with the challenges and the problems that come up, acquiring new skills, and then that's where you're pushing your comfort zone. So the things that you move through after you're afraid and you just do it anyway, Mm. that becomes your new normal in a sense. Mm. And in that way, looking back on, I know there's things now that I do or have done that five years ago, ten years ago, six months ago, probably, I would have thought that I was not capable of or weren't comfortable or were fear inducing in some way. But that's kind of the whole thing is that you're constantly shifting and growing. And so you get to expand on that as we move through these things that we fucking put ourselves through. Yes. 
one of the greatest things I think I learned traveling was to get used to certain situations that weren't necessarily physically comfortable as well. Oh my fucking <laughs> God. <laughs> because yeah. once you can deal with that, you can deal with anything. Yeah. In my opinion. For example, there was a hostel that I stayed at in <laughs> Cambodia. <laughs> oh God, it gives me shivers thinking about it. I'm so scared. It was literally $2 a night. It was the cheapest hostel I ever stayed in in Cambodia. You walked in, the swimming pool was green. There no. was a sofa that was sewed in half. Wait, sewed in sawn, half? Saw, sewed in half, sawn in half, with a, a chainsaw. Why? I have no idea. Were both halves of the sofa still together, just it was cut in <laughs> half? No, pretty much. I think it was literally hanging on by a thread. Ooh. In the room, it was, it was a tiny room divided by these kinds of um, MDF walls. And the beds were those kind of gymnastic... Um, like yoga mats? Yeah, like glorified yoga mats, just thicker, and ones you had in gymnastics. Ugh. With no Just covered pillow, in MRSA. No pillow, no duvet. You had to just make do. How long? I was there for two nights, I believe. And <sighs> I had to do it because... Did you? Oh, I had to because there was nowhere else. I had to get a ferry from that port. It's in a place called Sanukville. So if anyone's listening who's been to Sanukville, they know what I mean. One of the things that happened in there was the two lads that I was traveling with at that time that I'd met along the way. Um, we were walking down the road and we were approached several times by a woman selling us opium wanted to sell us opium so you can imagine how rough the area is mm. and i just had to get a room like i, I everywhere yeah. else was you have booked. to sleep somewhere you just have to bite the bullet and do things and you know what it was grotty but it was safe was it it was safe that's good it was so you know your comfort zone is definitely pushed to its limits however your priority is knowing that you're safe yes and so for me i just had to push that push on through mm -hmm. and I survived and I did it and it was the most glorious feeling getting on that ferry the next day and going <laughs> over to the islands because I had a great time over there and it made the experience so much sweeter yeah wow I yeah. mean I was just gonna talk about like leg room on flights <laughs> <laughs> well hang on a second you are six foot two okay excuse you I'm six one I'm so sorry six one <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference I don't know why I'm still defensive of this. It doesn't matter. I actually am probably closer to 6'2". Who gives a shit? Um, yeah, I... Oh, God. Having legroom on flights is... It feels like it should be a human right. <laughs> and I actually am so hopeful that maybe in light of, like, this post-COVID-19 world, maybe something that will start to shift... This is a really lofty dream of mine. Is that flight... Like, airlines will maybe go back to how, do you know how remember, or you don't, we don't have, we don't remember because we weren't alive. But back in the day, they used to have, like, you would have like a full like recliner basically oh, to yourself. A, it would be the equivalent like a, of business or first class. Yeah, now. like an yeah. actual seat for a real human mm, being. Mm -hmm. But we're getting bigger now it's, now as it's people. about the numbers. Of course it is. And I get like, they're just trying to make a profit, whatever. Mm. But like, just getting crammed into that space. So I, mm. I, my, my dream post COVID is that maybe the seats will be somewhat more distant 
and spaced out from each other again. That's probably not going to fucking happen, <laughs> but I like to dream. Um, but yeah, I, I, on that really cheap flight to Columbia on Spirit Airlines, you, oh, it was like a red eye and we had all these layovers. Like there's a reason why it was super cheap, but like whatever, there was a bunch of us going and we were on this red eye flight from Florida um, to uh, Medellin and it was like a thunderstorm outside and it was just in the middle of the night and now and I didn't I couldn't move and I was just like Bleh. and I had my legs stretched out into the aisle and I'm like trying to like like my Aww. neck pillow I don't really like I want to like neck pillows I have two I have three neck pillows mm. I hate all of them none of them <laughs> I've actually, never gotten on with them they never no. actually work for me I don't no. feel supported I really no. want to get a turtle pillow I feel What's like a turtle pillow. Turtle pillows are they are neck pillows for traveling where they wrap around your neck, but it's like a closer fit. It's not huge like this, and it has just like the padding goes up on one side, so you can actually rest your head on it to the side. Ah, oh, okay. It, it's a, it's more compact looking, but mm. they actually seem like they would be more effective. I don't have one, mm. and I wanted to get one before I left for this trip, but then mm-hmm. I forgot. Um, but anyway, I was just so uncomfortable yeah. and had been, you know, had this is like our third layer over because I had to fly from Seattle mm-hmm. to Minneapolis, which was like a five hour flight mm-hmm. to meet everyone. And then we were flying from Minneapolis to Florida and then from Florida to Columbia. And I was just like, I just hate everything. Um, but luckily, the really nice flight attendant came up to me and was like, there's an empty row mm-hmm. that you can lay on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, yes. Um, but even that was still not super comfortable but you know better it's always worth being i mean it's it's a given you should do it anyway it's not worth it but being kind to the staff that are working everyone needs to be kind to customer service people especially fucking flight attendants who are stuck Mm -hmm. with you in the sky Mm -hmm. and are trying to keep everybody safe trying Mm -hmm. to stay you know within the regulations that they have and people People that treat anyone like shit piss me off, but especially yeah. when, you know, I don't know. It just, I, I completely agree. Yeah. I think it's, it pisses me off so much when I see people being rude to flight attendants or mm-hmm. wait staff or whatever it is. It takes more energy to be nasty and rude. I mean, I don't, I just don't understand why we are, I, of course, you know, there are many situations as to why people are the way they are. However, but it reminds note, me. note to everyone listening. Be fucking nice be to nice. Your, your flight attendants and tip them if you can. Most of them won't exactly. accept it, but if you can, do yes, it anyway. Exactly. Just be fucking nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have friends that are flight attendants and oof. Um, it always reminds me of, do you, you know the Stanford prison experiment? Yes. That's yes, what I the always the... think of mm. when I see people being dicks to mm. people in customer service positions yeah. because it's, the Stanford prison experiment was, I think it was in like the late seventies. Um, it was like a case study that Philip Zimbardo ran and it got cut short because it was supposed to be for like 10 days, but basically they randomly assigned, um, student participants at UC or no at Stanford. Duh, it's the fucking Stanford prison experiment. (laughs) Wow. I'm pretty sure it was Stanford. Am I completely wrong? Who knows? It's been a while since my psych class, but randomly assigned the student participants to either be guards or prisoners. There was no other qualifier other than they just like drew numbers and they didn't give them any sort of rules of what they had to do as those roles. Mm -hmm. But basically naturally the people, the students in the guard roles just 
really got into it and were super um, abusive and started instating all these rules and like physically and emotionally and mentally abusing the their fellow students that were also participating in this like this study. Um, and they were, they were humiliating them. They were making them, I think they were like making them change in front of them or like restricting their food or water or bathroom intake. And essentially like three days in, Mm. um, it didn't take that long for these students to start acting in this kind of like megalomaniac kind of way. Um, Right. Exactly. And so it's just, I don't know. I know that's an extreme example, but it gives me, it reminds me of that when I see people with just the tiniest little ounce of, I guess you could call it power mm-hmm. when you're asking someone to do something for mm-hmm. you. Somehow that makes you fucking powerful. Yeah. Like dick. Um, and also we can look at that example when we're looking at police brutality and it all just kind of flows mm-hmm. together. Yes. Yeah, meshes into one. Yeah. You give people a little bit of power and because we're all fucking monsters, mm-hmm. people just roll with it. And <laughs> uh, yeah. So be nice to your flight attendants. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think this is um, part of, this is relevant coming back to the learning zone, which is the third zone after comfort and fear, is that you do acquire new skills. And one of the new skills that I acquired was patience. I think, well, I like to think I'm a patient person anyway, but we all, we all can be ratty and impatient, especially when you're traveling. There are times when, you know, you don't have all the food that you want or you're thirsty or you're tired and you can't sleep and you have to stay awake so you don't miss your flight. It is all part of the fun and look, I mean, you get through it, but I definitely learned to be more patient and understanding. Um, Having worked in hospitality as well as what we were talking about with customer service individuals, they are more often than not just doing their job and they're just trying to help you. And this extends to... The experiences that you have in general in traveling, Um, for example, uh, language barriers, you know, you are in other people's countries. Yep. You English is a universal language. So we are both very, very lucky to be in that situation. Totally. However, that does not give you the right to... Uh, be shitty with people, be that, don't shitty speak with people that don't speak English, especially when you're in their country. You need to be making the most amount of effort that you can to learn the, the local languages, even if it's just being able to order two beers yeah. in a bar. Or say thank you. Saying thank you, yeah. please, yeah. all of this. My God, we we have tiny machines that we carry around with us all the time that can bring up pictures Instead of talking to people or talking at people in English and getting annoyed when they don't understand you, why don't you, A, obviously learn the language, as we just said, (laughs) B, use a fucking picture. Yeah, be resourceful. Be resourceful. I think flexibility and resourcefulness are two massive things that um, I know that I've continued to try to work on, but especially Mm -hmm. in the context of traveling, you have to be flexible behaviorally and with Mm. your expectations of how things are going to go because you're going to miss flights or buses or Mm. be confused or fuck something up or something else is going to get like shit happens life happens and being flexible with it and not you know having a tantrum because things don't go your way when you're throwing a lot of extra variables and you're not just doing the same routine every day day Mm. in and day out when you're Mm. adding all these extra variables stuff's going to go wrong and so learning to roll with it in that way and being resourceful. So like you were saying with 
everything that we have available at our fucking fingertips. Yeah. We have, there's apps that you can talk into Google translate. Like you, <laughs> yeah. there's so many ways we're so fortunate. Now you don't have to just carry around like a pocketbook or, you know, mime at people. Yeah. As my um, dad did. Yeah, exactly. Young, we're probably. so lucky. Um, yeah. and, but a lot of, I think it just takes that half a step extra to bring it into your awareness to then make it something that you always do, which is how can I not just, I need to get what I need out of this. How can I make this an easier process for the person that I'm asking for help? How can I help them to quote Jerry Maguire, help me help you. <laughs> also show me the money. <laughs> I've never seen Jerry. Maguire. What? I, uh, you would have laughed harder at that if you had <laughs> well, it was the way you said it. And well, I do know those lines, but... <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. And, oh, gosh, I mean, the stories that my dad told me, you know, when he was travelling across Africa in a van having to eat boiled eggs every single day. How old was your dad when he did that? <sighs> he went to America when he was 18, and he sold hot dogs on the corner of Where? San Francisco, I believe. I could have that wrong or Chicago. Um, Cute. And he traveled across Africa, which back in the day was not, you know, although it was risky, I don't think it was nearly as dangerous. Which way across the continent? Like, I'm not how, sure. I'm actually not sure. Do you know how many countries he stopped in? Oh, gosh. I think he went pretty much the whole way over. But I, I'd like love to have to more west? of it. No idea. Literally no idea. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Just said no idea. <laughs> I'm going to keep asking you questions about stuff that you've told me you don't know about. <laughs> Until you make up an answer, because that's what I do. <laughs> do you know what? It would be so cool to have my dad on a, on. Oh my god, we have to talk to your dad. <gasps> oh my god, that's such a good idea. It's such a good idea. Yeah. He would love it too, and that's. Yeah. I think yeah. I mean, as we know, and what we've talked about, mm. like we love getting to talk about our own travel stories. Mm. So asking mm. people about their travel stories mm. can be really fun because usually people are stoked about it. And want yeah. to talk about it. But when do you really get an opportunity to? Especially if it's been, you know, decades. It's not a recent trip. Well, this is it. And I also think... Oh, I can't remember what... If it was a movie or television show or something. But there's this line in it that said... Get to know your parents whilst you still can. Because you Is that the don't... sunscreen song? No, you're right. You're right. Get to know your parents whilst they're still around. Because they're not going to be around. When you're gone yes, like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it was in something else, but I just, I always think about that. I think there is so much about my parents that I don't know. And all these stories, I, especially with my dad traveling across, you know, all these continents. That's incredible. Yeah. Acquiring new skills is part of the learning zone and being uncomfortable and moving through it and making it your new normal. Um, a big thing that I think of from my recent travels is working on the dairy farm. Oh, wow. Yes. So we're <laughs> like, as part of the farm work that we had to do to get our second year visas, Susie and I both, well, I worked on a dairy farm for <laughs> almost four months and I believe I worked for six days one hour, 40 minutes and three seconds, maybe? Mm. Give before, or take. Um, before I broke my hand. Yeah. Susie <laughs> hit the backpacker gold mine <laughs> by breaking her hand while at work, which sucks. 
And However, because I did it at work, I therefore got my 88 days signed off. And yeah, she I got, got fucking medical leave. <laughs> and because also she's British and they have universal health care, she didn't have to end it there. She has her Medicare card over here and it's honored because of the Commonwealth. Right? The Commonwealth. Yes. Yes. God save the Queen. God save um, the Queen. She didn't have to pay for any of her medical care either. So she literally just got to chill out for the next, <laughs> you know. Oh, it's great. Three months. Look, they shouldn't have put me on that seventh day. I said to them, I did say I'm, I was really, really, really tired. You should not the, have worked seven days in a row. I, I, it was my first week as well. What are you thinking? Like, fair enough if it was, no. okay, four, four weeks down the line or something and it had to be done, you know, yeah. whatever the cows needed to be calfed that day or whatever. But, yeah, they shouldn't have done that and it was our own bloody fault anyway. So, yeah, I, uh... I didn't really have to do it, but I do remember thinking, how am I going to get through these three months? And looking back on it now, I I would have obviously have done it because this is part of the pushing the comfort zone is that you just You mean, how are you going to get through them if you had to have been working If I had day? to have been working Not every day. how are you going to get through this no. on medical leave. Oh, no, that we was know, easy. Yeah. Oh, just to clarify. Bloody breeze. The, <laughs> the challenge was getting through... The farm work, which the rest yes. of us have had to do. Yes. Cool. But having had experiences before in not liking things, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you do soon realize that if you take each day as it comes, you will eventually get through it. And yeah. it was interesting to see new people come into the hostel and them absolutely... I mean, obviously a lot of people loved it from day one, but there are... Not a lot of people. Some people. Some people. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Some people in between. But it was interesting to see people who would come in hating it to lasting the three months. And actually, by the end of it, they they were fine. They'd made friends. They enjoyed the job, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I'd say that's a re- another really good example. And oh, you totally. as well. We were just talking about potentially doing the six months to gain oh, our God. third year in Australia. Yeah. And having gone from... The, the decision not to do it mm-hmm. recently we actually kind of have been thinking maybe we could do it yeah so doing the farm work working on the dairy the the farm itself I think in terms of especially compared to what some other people had to deal with for their farm work I had a really great time my boss was great your boss my was cop co- <laughs> nope cutting that out The people I worked with were awesome. My boss was great. The farm was really nice. And, like, on the smaller side, I wasn't on one of, like, the really big ones, like what Susie was on. Um, so in terms of all of that, it was good. And I fucked up all the time and I had no idea what I was doing. And they were very gracious and patient with me um, and were super kind and awesome. So as far as that goes, like, I had a, I was in pretty good circumstances but it still was fucking hard, mm-hmm. and I had, like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I never milked a cow before. I'd never fed a bunch of cows before, like calves before, and taught mm-hmm. them how to eat and like make sure that they were okay. And if they started to get sick, recognizing the signs of that and like making yeah. sure that they were getting the treatment that they needed and yeah. all that stuff, which was really cool to learn. And that's something too. Like I remember even just in specific tasks or like if something broke or I didn't know what to do and I was the only one working, I was the only one there. Um, you know, like people were around, but everyone's busy doing other shit. So like you have to do something. You can't just not, you can't just say, I don't know how and walk away. You have to fix it, you know? 
And there were so many times where I immediately like something would go wrong or there'd be something that came up and I'd be like, fuck, I have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. Like I want to kind of throw my hands up and give up, but not having the option to and having to push through, like (laughs) literally even like the first day, part of my job was having to go into the field and picking up the baby cows right after they'd been born and physically picking them up and like taking them to their area. And a lot of them are slippery. (laughs) Still covered Slippery in motherfuckers. still covered in placenta. <laughs> trigger warning. I don't know. Trigger warning. Content <laughs> warning. Gross warning. They're slippery. Yeah. And they're fucking big and they're mm-hmm. heavy. And like having to do like a deep squat, picking up these baby animals After that are they all... stood on your foot ten thousand million times. Well, yes, as well. So yeah, Oof. even just like from the physical part of being like, I cannot lift this fucking cow. I keep yeah. falling over. It's I keep <laughs> dropping it on myself and falling on oh, myself. My God, that image just but really... like not having a choice, not there's no option. It has mm. to get from point A to point B, and you are the only person to do it. So like finding the physical inner strength to just be like okay, fuck it. And just doing it anyway. Like I, those were the little wins that I remember being like, I did it. But Mm -hmm. I mean, small in comparison to some of the other stuff, but yeah, gosh, for me, very, very similar. And I also found it really hard because I'm a vegetarian and I like the job because you were around calves and cows. And like you said, you know, the physical side to it, that was really difficult. Um, I enjoyed being around the animals because mm-hmm. they're just so freaking cute. They're and and cute. teaching them to, to eat is such a joy. Because oh, no, I disagree. Did you, really? Yes. I mean, look, it was difficult. And there were obviously calves that didn't feed, didn't learn. And that was frustrating. When they did do that, though, it was really, it was rewarding. Uh, rewarding for me to think, do you know what? That calf is actually feeding now because I taught it how to. However, the carving process for me was definitely pushing my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Um, But like you said, you know, referring back to what you said, you have to do it. Yeah. The calves have to be fed. They have to be picked up and transported. They have to to keep them alive. And you're the one doing that. And that was a little win as well, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it was... Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into it, but I just, I did find it personally quite difficult. And yeah. this can be for another episode if we want to, but... Um... I have a scar on my index, on my middle finger, on my right hand from fucking feeding calves. Oh, because, really? Yes. bit you or what? Well, because you have to stick your fingers in their mouth. Well, I guess this was like a trick that I was taught was basically you have to stick like your pointer finger and your middle finger in their mouth to get them to start sucking. And then you bring it to the feeder thing and then like replace it well they don't have upper teeth but they have lower teeth and so if one of them he like it was one of the boy calves oh yeah i remember it that little fucker (laughs) so mad because then it he cut me which it's like okay that's not a big deal except that it's the same Mm. spot over and over and over again Mm. and so i have a (laughs) it's really small but it just hurts so much and every day i just remember being like yeah yeah, fuck yeah. that calf. Oh, I didn't know you got bitten on that finger. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I'm being a tad dramatic, but like you can see it. <laughs> where is it? Okay, Wait, it's right what? there. <laughs> you can't really? see it. It looks like a... <laughs> it's small. I never said it was big, but it definitely hey, is there. Paper cuts are some of the most painful cuts you can have, all right? Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. 
about this is that although you look at that that the comfort zone model and you think oh finally you get to the growth zone ugh, comfort again actually once you've done a kind of full circle you realize you need more excitement and that comes with the uncomfortable phases the um yeah because you kind of cut yeah like i said you come full circle and you think well well i did it so what's next? And yeah. it comes back to the whole premise of it's not the destination, it's the journey. Yeah. You're never really done. No. Especially if you choose to travel, but like in life yeah. in general, I would say. Not that I'm a fucking expert. But. I mean, I am such a believer that we basically just go back up into the universe and then come back down as something different just to learn more. Yeah. Um, and that sits well with me. When it, when it, whereas it didn't when I was younger. <coughs> because... I was so set on like being the best all the time and, da, 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 and getting there and then being perfect. And actually that's not a reality. That's no. never going to happen. I like to think of it as like failure isn't really a thing. Mm. It's not really real because you have to fail. And yes. instead of, and it's I a know. necessity. Yeah. And my, that's how you learn. And it sounds so cliche and I don't know how else to say it though. But mm. like I know from myself when I was younger, especially holding myself to these standards and of being a bit of a perfectionist which I didn't really realize that that's what I was doing because to me I was like well, I'm not a perfectionist because I don't do anything perfectly so that's like how could I be a perfectionist if I keep fucking up in these areas or if I'm you know not the best at this or if I'm so not so in your in your mind you, there were beings <laughs> that had reached that ultimate totally like, ultimate oh pretty much stage. everybody else besides me because yeah. I'm yeah, yeah that was my perception was people and people that I was close to, especially, or, you know, people that I admired or that were achieving, achieving really anything. Mm -hmm. Cause I never recognized any of my achievements as real fucking achievements. Mm -hmm. Like anything that I did well or accomplished, I was like, ah, well that should just be expected. Mm -hmm. Um, I only ever focused on things that I wasn't doing and I let it kind of paralyze me in a sense. So I just would stop myself from doing something because I was like, well, if I'm not going to be able to do it perfectly, or if I'm not going to be able to do it well, as well as this person or yeah. to this standard, then I'm just not going to do it at all. And I hope, and I think if you don't mind me saying this, this comes back to what you were talking about previously. One of your fears of going traveling was the fear that you were going to go away and having to come back not proving to the people around you at home that you were in some way better, quote unquote, or a quote unquote success. Totally. Yeah. So that was especially with this trip because it wasn't just a vacation um, and buying a one way flight and having kind of ambiguous goals about what I wanted to get out mm. of this um, was really scary. But the biggest fear that I kept coming up against and the judgment that I worked through um, was, yeah, exactly that of feeling like if I didn't have a success story at the end of it, if I didn't mostly monetarily succeed or have some amazing, you know, revelation or accomplishment, or even like, honestly, even like 
oh, if I didn't meet my husband, Mm. because how much as a single woman, (laughs) every time you go on a fucking trip, Mm. does someone say to you, oh, you're going to meet your husband? Yes. Every, I have been conditioned to believe since I was a child that every time you get on a plane, you're going to fucking meet your husband somewhere, which of course, as women were told is that like, that's the ultimate goal of all time. Mm. And even still now being, you know, 29, when we talk about traveling or doing all these things, it comes up a lot. Yeah. From friends, from family, from fucking strangers being like, oh, but how old are you? Like, don't you want a family? As yes. if that's somehow mutually exclusive from having these experiences. Yeah. Oh, isn't the clock ticking? Isn't Who it going to get old now? Fuck off. Well, yeah. you don't know my life. And yeah. assuming that things that you want are things that I want yes. is rude. Um, Very rude. <laughs> but yeah, rude. I that was a huge barrier that I had to just kind of work through and process on my own, especially in terms of this, um, this last year and a half or so that I've been traveling two years almost, Jesus Christ, um, was, yeah, that if I wasn't going to succeed in this kind of perfect way, then I shouldn't do it. Or if I wasn't going to be able to stay as long as I wanted to because of money or whatever other reason, then is it worth even going at all? The answer is of course, yes. yes. Um, and I took that risk. I took that gamble. And it, I did a lot of introspective kind of personal work to come to that conclusion and to really believe that, which I needed to do in order to leave. Because otherwise, historically, I would have fallen into that pattern and been like, oh, but you know what? It's not a guarantee that I'm going to be able to stay for more than six months or that I'm going to like it there or, you know, mm-hmm. all these things or I'm going to succeed in X, Y, Z or have this experience. So I'm just, fuck it. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And I'm so glad, obviously, I'm so glad because there's so much that I've learned and experienced that I wouldn't have otherwise. Definitely. Me too. I personally believe everyone comes into your life as both a student and a teacher. Everyone teaches you something and takes something away from you as well, or learn something from you. And gosh, if I just, and look, there's nothing wrong if you do want to stay at home. I have plenty of friends who have gone on on holiday, but you know, traveling's just not for them and that's okay. Yeah. But if you have this, if you, if, if you're naturally drawn to the, even the National Geographic or the Discovery Channel, or you like looking at certain Instagram pages or reading certain articles, or if you dream about leaving your hometown, even if it's over to the next city and you've never done that, just do it. Just do it. One of the main things that I will never forget someone telling me when I went on my first trip was just book the first flight. Mm. That's all you need to do. And once you've done that, you'll find that naturally, especially for me, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. Oh yeah, maybe. That for me was just one of the things that I could tick off. And I was just um, way more inclined and I would get therefore excited about planning the yeah. trip. Um, so I would definitely recommend anyone who's listening to just to do that um, yeah. for, as your first step. I totally agree. I think that putting... A concrete deadline in place, whether that's um, a flight or some sort of some sort of landmark that you have to achieve this by. I know that works for me as well because hi, procrastinating is like kind of my thing. Um, and yeah, it just it 
it forces you to meet that deadline because you've already put it in place. Like there's other people counting on you or you've already, you can't get your money back or whatever it is. Um, if it's something that you're drawn to do, that is a dream of yours, making that, giving yourself a hard timeline and not letting yourself, because if you, most people, a lot of people, I guess I'll say, will just continue to find those excuses and to stay in that kind of fear zone of, just putting it off and putting it mm. off because there's always going to be a reason. You're always going to wish you had saved a little bit more money. Yeah. Like you're going to wish that you had had another night with your friends to say goodbye, or maybe you should stay at your job a little bit longer. Like nothing is in my experience ever going to be like perfectly ticked off. And there's always going to be more variables. It would still be great. I'm sure if you waited another six months and then did it, you would have a great time still, but the longer you put it off and you let those excuses get in the way of you taking action, the further away that goal gets and yeah. it becomes a lot And the easier. more you're missing out on potentially because the sooner you go, there are certain people and certain experiences you are going yeah. to experience that are just meant for you. And sometimes there's things that come up that are out of your control that do push your deadline, yeah. you know, family emergencies yeah. or financial crises or you know medical pandemics. stuff fucking pandemics <laughs> if you're truly not allowed to leave your country or enter another country yeah do um, not book your flights yeah like that of course is something that's out of your control but there's a lot of things and trusting that you're going to trusting that you're taking care of and that you'll be fine not yeah. reckless not making in decisions impulsively that are not in your best interest but if you have a, a long-term goal or I guess we're mostly obviously talking about it in terms of like a travel plan, but like booking that flight or making that first step, um, even if it's just like, I know what I do before, like when I start kind of thinking about like a place I want to go, like I'll start curating um, content for it. Like, I mean... By like that, mood, I mean, like a Pinterest board. Yeah, like for for example, like yeah, like a Pinterest board or save like a, create an Instagram album, you mm -hmm. know, where you can save posts for restaurants. Like I did that yeah. when I was in Bali when I first started talking to people and thinking about coming to Australia and coming to Sydney specifically. I started following different Instagrams and following hashtags to source this kind of stuff to get excited about it and I started saving it and what I would do was I was just like I would think about I used it, I thought of it as a way of kind of manifesting, of yes. like picking yeah. these places and curating my experience online to look like this physical place to match that energy and to then put myself in that position. Yeah, I think we're we, we are visual creatures as well. And like you said, that is that can be super exciting and can inspire us. And when we are thinking of our plans, we can, we can reach into the the memories and still have those pictures and they can serve really well as um just reminders to, to stay on track yeah uh, i think the other thing that i that really helped me when i went is knowing that you are never really alone and yeah. this is what my mum brought to my attention was that she asked the question, she said, you know, you're traveling alone. Why don't you go with someone so you're not alone? And having traveled throughout my life, even though this was my solo trip, I just 
knew I wouldn't be alone because you are constantly meeting people along the way. The only time you really are, if you are going on a solo trip, is literally the plane ride over. And even then you could probably meet someone that you're sitting next to and have yeah. a conversation with. I just loved the freedom of being by myself with no one having any preconceptions of who I was. I was allowed to be exactly who I am. Dream. Yeah, and that was really important. And I wish someone had told me that sooner. Because mm -hmm. Even though I had this feeling, the instinct, I hadn't experienced that so much. Yeah. Um, but, oh God, you're just naturally thrown into so many different social situations and... It's super easy to make friends and leave friends if they don't if they turn out not to necessarily be you know your You're travel not on the buddies for ages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's something I would really encourage people to think about is that you're never truly alone. Yeah. I think even if you're a more introverted person or you think you have a hard time making friends or connecting people or that feels super daunting, mm -hmm. the lesson that I know I take away from a lot of this in my experiences is I'm so much more capable than I give myself credit for yeah. in terms of things that I can do physically or emotionally get through, tasks, you know, conquering things that are completely foreign to me and making friends and making connections and mm -hmm. trusting that I'm going to be fine. Exactly. And also knowing that that introverted side to you can be fed as well. So it's not, if you want to be alone, you can, you can be, you can carve out that time for yourself and go and do and see certain things if you want that. But when you want to be sociable and surround yourself with people, that's, that is at your fingertips as well. Mm -hmm. So you have the best of both worlds really. And it's not definitely not as scary as it seems once you're planning it. But, um, yeah. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything. Yeah. To talk about. Actually, there is one last thing I wanted to mention. Um, I'm not going to dive too deep into it because it's another topic. But if anyone's listening and wants to delve a little bit deeper, there is something called The Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell. And the premise of it is that Joseph Campbell studied mythology and he found that in every single story, pretty much there was the exact same pattern. And I know that this actually really helped me when I was starting to, to think about traveling. There's an amazing documentary on Gaia.com. They are not sponsoring this episode. I am just <laughs> a fan of Gaia.com. And the documentary is by Jonathan Young. And I would highly recommend anyone to go and watch that as it, yeah, it's just a great piece of art, in my opinion, as well as being really informative and putting things into perspective for you. So, yeah, if you're looking for help of figuring out how you have an idea, you want to go on a trip or you want to leave or make a big decision or um, it's a really great way to help work through that and put it into action and just fucking do it. Yeah. It's so good on the other side. You won't regret it. And if additionally, this is leading on to this. Um, additionally, if you do need help, if you have any questions, we have just started. We have an email. Page. Oh yeah. Oh, and we have an email. <laughs> we have an email and we have an Instagram. Yes. Both of those are, we're not really backpackers at gmail.com. And then that's just the handle on Instagram. So follow us. Um, yeah, it's literally, we just made it right before we started recording. So there's nothing <laughs> on it yet. But by the time this comes out, there will be stuff and there will continue to be awesome things. There will be such valuable content on there. <laughs> so worthwhile. <laughs> 
Well, cheers, darling, cheers. to our second episode. Woo! Um, I hope this brought valuable... Va- I, I hope this brought a lot of value to <laughs> whoever is listening. Yeah. Um, we are super excited to carry this on, and we want to hear from anyone who's listening, so please reach out to us and stay tuned for more episodes. All the more stuff. Thank you so much. Safe travels, everybody. Bye. Bye.